Ladies and gentlemen, look who we have here. Songbird herself. Minji, it is a pleasure. It is an honor. How are you? I am doing great. Thank you. <laughs> I am winding down this very crazy year and looking forward to some rest. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Yeah, I'm, I agree. Looking forward to some rest, some good times with family and friends and and just relaxing. Yeah. Good. I'm not that I'm not very good at it, so it'll be another valiant effort. We'll see no, if I you, get you never stop, honestly. I don't, have you ever had a, a break this year? Um, yes, I have, actually. Well, Thanksgiving here, like, you know, we have Thanksgiving in November, so I took a little bit of a break. I, I flitted off to Hawaii, thankfully, with my my little brother. We were on our own for the holiday. And so he he works, you know, a grueling job and I'm always on my hustle like in my creative universe. So we're just, we YOLO tripped out there. We're like, let's just go. And it was really great. So I was, I'm lucky enough to be able to do that. And then earlier this year, I did the same thing, which was also a writing retreat. So kind of like, yeah, my creative brain doesn't shut off very easily. So I'm always like ideating. It's funny you say that. I actually shot off to Hawaii as well for a holiday this year. Beautiful place. Yeah, Turtle Bay, and I went all, all around the main. Oh, it was beautiful, unbelievable! It's amazing. So you went. Which islands did you go to? Just the the main. A high. Uh, what is? How do you say? It? Oahu. Yeah. Yeah. And just took the. Um, we got a car and just drove around and explored everything. It was fantastic. Loved it. I'm so glad you did that. I, I feel really fortunate to because I live in LA, so it's not very far. So, and less expensive, like there's people that really, I've met people there where, you know, they, it's a trek from all over the world to reach this beautiful place. And I'm like, it's right. It's not too far. It's the same, same amount of time to get there as like to New York. So I feel really lucky for that. Did you ever have any clue about the gaming world before you got into cyberpunk, this, this gaming landscape? There's a lot to uncover as you play a main character in a massive game. Tell me about that. Um, well, it was definitely a surprise on all counts. Uh, I have my exposure to gaming is through many friends who are hardcore gamers, a couple friends that back in the early 2000s, they were attempting the pro gamer life. So, you know, to witness bits and pieces of their journey, I I had some of it, that exposure of like how serious they take it, how all consuming it can be, how, Uh, you know, it's just a passion that people get really invested into, not just the tactical stuff and the strategic stuff, but the story and the characters. It's just, it's such a huge, it becomes a huge part of like their everyday life and their identity. So in that I was very, I'm not a gamer. I really, the last time I played something was an N64. That gives a lot of context. (laughs) Don't say that. The last time I was a gamer and that doesn't even, I don't think that qualifies. I was really, yeah. I was babysitting my brother, so we were playing N64. You were forced uh, to, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was fun. Don't get me wrong, it was fun, but I learned that my skill set is not in Mario Kart, etc. Like I'm not, it's not my forte. But um, yeah, so I just kind of had a sense of that. And then um a couple ex-boyfriends of mine were really into gaming. And there's the difference between like the sports gaming and then the role player games. Yes. And- Yes, casual versus hardcore kind of thing, yeah. Yeah. So you've had both sides of that. Kind of, yeah. And then in college, there was a whole bunch of the guys that they always would get together and play FIFA and and like NFL. Like it was Madden. It was just, it was a thing trying to get people to leave when that's going on. (laughs) Um, It wasn't happening. That's that's the story there. But um, yeah, so I was really like, I had respect for the gaming world and also was kind of scared of it, to be honest, because in the role-playing world, like, I I am pretty sensitive to, like, a lot of violence and things like that. I've grown up watching tons of it in TV and film. I have brothers. I have, you know, my dad, my cousins. Like, it's funny that the holidays would mean we're going to watch a war movie, but that's how it was in my household. Really? <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, like, Die Hard and all those movies and uh, Lethal Weapon and all yeah, that. And then yeah. you have, like, Band of Brothers and you have Saving Private Ryan. Like, there's a lot the of, good movies. You know, they're great movies. Don't get me wrong. Well, I like to watch Pride and Prejudice. Like that's my. <laughs> yeah. Why is that your favorite? I did hear you say that. It's uh, it's a comfort movie. It's so beautifully shot. I think the film itself is really beautiful. The one with Keira Knightley, of course. Um, 
the cinematography is beautiful and it's just like this very like otherworldly place that you can kind of just keep on in the background and Mm. my world itself can be a little chaotic so it just feels really peaceful and if it's not that then it's something like the office or parks and recreation like one of those those are like my comfort did i hear you love severance i did love severance oh my god that is a trippy show i tell you what it was it was kind of creepy for me actually it was. It was really disturbing, you know, and like, again, but like for someone like me who gets sensitive to that um, and doesn't, I don't reach for that initially. If you can kind of pull me into that world and get invested, I think well done you because I'm not, that's, I'm not, that's not my usual cup of tea. So, Well, it's yeah. interesting that your first video game is cyberpunk, quintessential <laughs> sci-fi violence. Yeah. yeah. And, you, you know, sci-fi is probably the last genre you'll go to when it's any other medium, all right? Pretty much. <laughs> that's an accurate statement, yeah. Yeah. Oh. But I think that's what I think. With, I'm a very big believer in, like, timing and things happening for a reason. And I do think being an artist means being pushed to grow in lots of different ways, whether you enter um, a different genre or a different character that's someone really different than you or really even similar to you. You have to explore yourself and, like, your nature and your tendencies. But I was really glad to, I was really hesitant to take the role because I, I didn't know what game it was. They're basically like, you have to commit to this, you know, video game. And they didn't tell me the extent, how big the role was. I genuinely didn't know if I had one session and like five lines or if I, I didn't know. Um, but they're like, yeah, you have to do this video game. Yes or no. It was simple. Yes or no. And I almost said no. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. Thank God you didn't. <laughs> I know. Cause I had this, I had this moment of, okay, you're a busy girl. You have all these things. You're in production for your first short film, but this is a cool opportunity. You have kind of uh preconceived notions. I don't know if it's preconceived notions or maybe even prejudice in certain way. Like, cause I didn't know what game it was. It, it could have been like a sports game. I don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, by the audition, I figured it wasn't a sports game, but <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. You know, and then so I had the choice. I was like, do you want to give it a shot or not? And this could be cool for you to like go into a universe that you know nothing about and that you actually feel a little bit timid or like, you know, even maybe put off about and just give it a shot. And so I said, yes. So that's what kind of pushed you over the edge in the end, for the de- decision. That and this was the the thing that made me go sag into the union. So and it was also a rite of passage of like, you came here to act. Are you going to do it? Like there's multiple decisions and I was like, hell yeah, let's go. <laughs> Here goes nothing. Has it been an emotional journey over that? How long have you been working on it? A couple of years? Um, I think total the time that I, from audition to it being completed was just under a year. Really? That oh, I, that's a lot yes. shorter than I thought. Wow. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. that's pretty fast. You You would have been in a lot. Yeah, I was. And then again, it was when I first got it, um, I had no sense of how large the project itself is. And it's because I've worked on different projects. You never know. Okay, it's a short film, but it could be like, you know, they're going to they're going to go all out on costume and design. So maybe that short film takes 10 days to shoot. I don't know. Um, So I want to be very respectful of the people making it. So I just didn't want to assume anything. And I was like, am I here for like I didn't know the process either. I was like, am I doing this for a month? And they're like, no, it's going to take more than that. <laughs> and so I was like, oh, okay. Well, they you probably know they got a bit of slack when the game first dropped in 2020 because it was a bit glitchy in that. But, geez, yeah. did they turn it around for Phantom? I mean, Phantom Liberty is sensational. And I already was a fan in 2020, even though the game was crashing a lot on me and, and this and that. But. The the storytelling is unmatched in the um the character work and and you would have seen that as you were, you know, coming into the booth every other day, just the progression of Songbird, right? Yeah, yeah. It was a really big discovery process for me having never played the original game. Uh, once I learned what it was, I did look it up and I got the general gist of like what had transpired and how big of a deal it was. Um, how many people were invested in like this world. And you can just tell too, I think when you visually 
the amount of care that went into it and the amount of commitment. And like, that's no matter what medium I'm big on artistry. And I was like, whoever made this, you know, this, this massive village of people that developed this game and designed all these characters and to bring on Keanu and all this stuff. And for this many people to even be upset about it is reflection of what a big deal it was. And, um, so I was every moment I was like getting more data to like understand the scope of it. And then when I was doing the actual lines, I definitely was picking up on that too. Like they, is it, this is not some lowbrow game. <laughs> is it wild when they said, I think they said 5 million had played at Phantom Liberty or something like that recently. Is that wild to hear that that many people have seen your work? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that doesn't compute. That doesn't compute. Imagine putting that in a state. That's how many stadiums is that? Like- <laughs> I know. I know. I, I actually, it was, it's a very stunning thing because back in the day, many, many moons ago, haha, moons. Um, nice. I, nice. I just noticed the moons. Shit. Yeah. And this, <laughs> well, for people into astrology, I'm a cancer uh, sun. So, like, my sign is the moon. Like, that is my. Oh, sun, sorry. My so, a sidetrack here. I have to ask why are they positioned like that? Is there, is there a reason? Oh. Actually, I think I did it wrong too. I don't think this is the correct position. Uh, my old roommate put these up for me, and I think he just did a quick visual of like, "Oh, it looks like the phases," but I don't think that's right. It, it looks so, right to me, but I'm I'm not an expert, so yeah, yeah. yeah. It's just the phases. Of, it's just the phase. Okay, oh. okay. Yeah. Cool, cool, cool. Sorry, where were we? Uh. We're, <laughs> we're a bit loopy today. We were saying. Yeah, we are. Both of us are very tired. We're like sleep deprived. Um. <laughs> Five million. Okay. So many moons ago, that's what I said. Many moons ago, (laughs) I did a comedy sketch, a couple of them with friends from BuzzFeed at the time and some comedian friends. And that was my first exposure to doing something that at that time had such a massive audience. And so we did these sketches and you never know what's going to go viral or, you know, pop off or, but just the concept of even like a few hundred thousand people watching was like, my brain was having a hard time computing and we ended up going viral um, well-received comedy, which is such a great feeling. But at that time I was trying to do the math back then. This was almost, this was about eight years ago. And so just like revisiting that number, it can be really daunting. Cause you're just like, oh my gosh, the, for, for actors, well, some actors can be really have moments of insecurity where you're like, how many of those people thought I did a trash job? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Like that's a lot of people, even if it's a small percentage, <laughs> that's a lot of people that 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 hated it. I don't know, but stuff like that, it creeps up on Are you. Are those the videos where you play the funny mother? Oh my god, did you watch it? Yeah, they're fantastic. Yeah. They thank hold you. up. They hold up. They're timeless. Oh, thank you. They're timeless. Yeah, no. Thank you. Check them out, guys. We had so, a good time making them. So you started acting at the age of five, is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Damn. So you knew early. I don't know if I knew early. I just, I, I <laughs> actually, we can all blame my mother. She's the one who put me in the play. I, I don't even think I volunteered for that. Um, it was for church a long time ago when I used to go to church as a kid. And yeah. Um, yeah. it was really fun. I just remember having a blast. I remember being able to memorize lines easily. And then I learned through that process that other people have a hard time memory. You know, you're just learning. And then there are other kids who had a harder time. So I'd help them with their lines. Um, because I never were... realized <laughs> <laughs> it was going to be a traditional route, right? In medicine, mm-hmm. San Francisco. So, what pulled you back into the arts? Um, it was a, I think, uh, okay, I believe in the divine timing. There's a lot of life scenarios that happened in my life. Um, I was in a really dark place as a teenager. I was kind of this is alluding to, oh, wow, you're getting the most like uh, intimate behind the scenes understanding of Songbird. There was a time in my life where I was basically kind of living a double life. I was oh, wow. a really active student and um, doing well and really engaged in in high school and then also dating a really toxic older person and lying about a lot of things and doing things that a lot of teenagers do that you don't know how dangerous they are and you don't understand like the gravity of what you're going through. So that's the truth of it is that I was navigating a really tumultuous, a really difficult 
um, teenage moment. And that's the time in which I was really separated from anything creative related. I was really into academics. I, I, I really liked school and, um, it was a safe haven for me from kind of all the other chaos that was going on in my life. So once thankfully I was able to escape that relationship, which I use the word it's, it was, it was a bad situation. I was able to get out of it. Um, I was kind of re-entering a new chapter of my life that I didn't know that I could have, I guess, I guess is the best way to put it. And so as a young adult, um, it was like this brand new approach to life of like, what do you really want to do? And those are like big questions to answer when you're only 19 years old, but it just gave me a fresh take and I didn't have the answers, but it gave me an opportunity to like ask different questions and to kind of take a, take a bird's eye view of like, why am I actually doing this? So nothing happened immediately, but I'd say over time from that moment, things started to shift drastically where I started to question the reasons why I was doing things, how much I really enjoyed them. And because I pursued them really passionately, like by the time I was 19, I'd already shadowed doctors. I had already done projects in high school to understand the career pathway. So when I reached college time and I was still studying pre-med, the question at the seed had already been planted is this really what I want to do? And then when I escaped this bad relationship, um, I was able to take some time. I had a fortunate, you know, the fortune to take time and I explored theater again. I, I just randomly don't know why or how I came to that conclusion. I chose to take a theater class and suddenly I was like, oh, it was like unlocking a piece of myself that had been like covered in mud or something for years and that I felt alive in and I felt really happy and I felt useful because I had the skill of like being able to navigate blocking and lines and it's something that I could do and do well and people appreciated that. So it was it was a succession of things, but that's that's the honest answer. Like I went through some really, really tough stuff. And at the at that aftermath, I got to answer some questions that changed my life. And then from there, I think I just I had that gnawing feeling of like, am I going to be really happy to do this? Am I going to be happy being a clinician or, you know, public policy major, you know, all these other things that people were all telling me, this is, this is your path. So do you think that that past helped you portray Songbird any differently than another actor would be able to take this character on? I don't think any other actor out there has a set of life experiences that they themselves could not also pull from. Um, my take on Songbird and my take on everything that I want to do as an actor and as an artist, as a writer, is very much, you know, it's from it's it's rooted in my life experience and heartache and pain and fear and desperation that I've truly experienced. So to me, it's like the fact that I get to do this and like people pay me for it and like it gets to help people like it's it feels like how is this real this is the best job in the entire freaking world because I think that's what art can do that's why I love movies that's why I love tv shows they give me an outlet to play and imagine be entertained but also to feel things and songbird was coming from a very deep place in me and I was kind of stunned at how much I could relate to her plight, even though it's very, <laughs> obviously very highly fictional and very high concept, but at the core of it, I could I could relate to her really deeply. We're going to get into some fan questions soon, but I, one of them that stuck out to me was someone said you played the PTSD um, of Songbird so well. You, know, you tapped into that so well from someone who has PTSD. Mm. Is that a comment you've heard? I've heard... Things that allude to that. Yeah, I've heard people um, compliment the the authenticity of the pain and the heartbreak that they felt was very real and that um, people have like really experienced pain in witnessing Songbird's journey. And that's just, I, I feel very honored for that. I don't take people's feelings lightly. I know how much I feel gratitude towards other artists when they move me. I I don't know how to describe it, but I just like, thank you for doing this so that I could feel this. And like, even though it's a wretched feeling sometimes and I like, I'm like sobbing in a wreck, but there's something cathartic about that. And there's something that I feel gets processed and released. So yeah, I've been getting 
getting some DMs and comments and, you know, and I'm profoundly honored to hear that. That's just crazy to me because that's what I wanted to do. <laughs> and you've done a lot of work in Asian representation. That's kind mm-hmm. of been your side mission or what would you call it? Um, <laughs> in gaming terms? You know what I mean? It's kind of like your side quest that you're always going for as well on the side of everything else that you do. So where, when did that come into play? That came into play, I think, fundamentally pretty early on. I I went through a move when I was 13 years old, which everyone knows 13 is such a tender age. Mm. And um, it was during a time culturally in the States where, you know, there was a lot of race conversations. And I think the Asian American conversation was very underdeveloped and very new and widely unknown. Um, but I always felt with that move, I moved from a highly diverse area of California to a not so diverse area, very Caucasian. And in experiencing that at 13, I had a little bit of an identity awakening. I don't know if it's crisis, but I just was so profoundly aware that I don't belong. And I always had that feeling since I was young, clearly being the minority in spaces, you, 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 we're all just, you know, self-categorizing ourselves. I figured out early. I was like, I'm not the majority here. But it became that much more stark at a very insecure and, you know, impressionable age. So I think that began this discovery process and this yearning to know who I am and where do I, where's my place in this world. And then being a, a total pop culture fanatic that I was, I was like reading all the celebrity gossip. I was watching every show on you know the teen shows the movies mtv i was like consuming all of it like a sponge and just recognizing like oh i don't think people know care or understand who i am my background um or if they do it seems to be in these very narrow ways very stereotyped ways that i don't i don't relate to being a geisha massage girl i don't or like the quiet nerd who never has anything to say that's what I grew up with. So I think, you know, step by step, I was having more recognition of like, I don't, I get it because we're a minority, but I also, I don't like this. And I, I would love to do something about it at some point. And it just grew from there. In terms of Hollywood, like was Crazy Rich Asians a big stepping point? Was it before then? Has it been after then? What have you seen? What's the pulse like at the moment? I think there was a pre crazy. I've been really big part of the pre crazy rich Asians era in terms of laying groundwork, um, along with many people that came way before me. There's been decades of work to create enough demand and also quality of work and like to navigate a system that is has been highly uninterested in our narrative (laughs) Um, to be interested and to think that we're an audience worth talking to and just again, the way that we think that like, if you make a movie about Asians that no one else besides Asian people are going to want to watch it. And just that's, these are conversations that were actually happening in studios. And I was actually part of the advisory board with Warner Brothers with Crazy oh, Rich wow. Asians. I was actually the youngest person in that room. Congratulations. Thank wow. you. And so I learned so much. I've been really, the work that I did in diversity and Asian American representation, I learned so, so much. I got to be in rooms to really see how things are made, um, the attitudes that are coloring decisions and choices, money, resources, you know, attention, publicity. From every angle, I was watching that firsthand and and being able and invited to be in those conversations and give my two cents. So I do think it really did change. I know for a fact it changed drastically um, what they were projecting the film, how the film would do, and then what it actually did, which was tenfold. Um, and the reaction was great. And I know John Chu. I I am friends with half the cast. I know how much effort and care went into that film and what was on the line and and also the impact of what happened as the, as it succeeded. So I do think there is a post-Crazy Rich Asians world where there is more demand, more interest, and a whole mess of other things. But yeah, it's it's been a wild ride. So I, I do credit all those things and those people and those efforts, why Songbird exists. So this yeah. was your first ever video game, Minji. Um, yeah. Just walk me through your first few days, how nervous you were, maybe intimidated, how you got into the role. Tell us. I was supremely intimidated and also embarrassed, like wildly embarrassed because when Pierce first told me what the game was, me not being a gamer at all, 
completely, I didn't stick the landing at all. And I feel like I really, like, they were so excited to tell me. And I was so, I was like, it's like you told me you're in the marshmallow game. And I was like, cool. Like, oh, just you just, <laughs> you were professional. Yeah. I was I was very not a fangirl and I, I still to this day I like look back on them I'm like damn it I should have been more excited but I, I, I was like oh that's amazing but I was still trying to compute so they definitely could tell like oh she doesn't know, really know and then um, but then it, the name definitely sounded familiar I was like I've heard this name before so to me the fact that I know this name even remotely says oh it's a big game but it didn't register it's the keanu reeves game you know um when i took a bathroom break i googled it i was like oh my god i had a heart attack but when they showed me the character because that shortly thereafter like yeah do you want to see what she looks like and i was like yes absolutely i'm so excited who am i and they showed me this like i think it's kind of like a prototype it was it was still kind of glitchy and it wasn't smooth like obviously the final game is so it was a moving image it wasn't a it was actually. It was a moving image, yeah, and then, yeah. then in the in the moving image, my character shows up all badass, and I was like, "Yes, she looks amazing. The hair, like, it's so cool." And in the game, she walks up and touches Keanu Reeves' face, and I said, "Like, that looks like Keanu Reeves." And they're like, "Yeah, it is." Exploded. <laughs> but the oh, crazy. I don't know how you keep it together no after that, because he's. I know. Yeah, he's well loved across the industry, fans. He's one of the, I really, truly admire him as a human being. I mean, that's what I think is so great is that not only all the work that he's done, but he's so well known for being a kind, genuine, generous. That's the most important thing. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and it was, so there's a story that I shared in an interview. Tell it again, please. Tell it, please. I love it. Yeah. Um, So the story of Keanu. In France, right? In France. Yeah. Uh. I went, this is right after the world was opening up for COVID. Europe finally opened up. I have a really big place in my heart for Paris. It's like, that's where I was when my whole world fell apart at 19. Um, it's oh. where I feel like I, I felt like I became uh, an adult and a human again. And I was going through, you can't re- make this stuff up, Dan. Like you just. The, that is very crazy, actually. I was, Paris is, a, and people consider like Paris to be like the city of love. And it, I think it is. But to me, I went. Uh, with my brother at that time. And I was going through all this stuff as a young woman. So to me, it's my city of like independence. It's where I like found out how to have my own two feet. Um, so I went to Paris. It's just like a place I always want to go. And the world opened up. Um, I was going to be in a friend's wedding in Atlanta. She's a dear friend of mine. And Atlanta is even closer to Europe. So I was like, okay, I'm going to be in your wedding. And then I'm going to flit off to Paris. And um, the world's open. i I've been booking voice work. I'm going. So I book a trip to Paris. And this friend of mine, she just got married. You figure she's going to go on her honeymoon after her wedding. Mm. But her husband had to work. So she said, I'm going with you to Paris. I didn't even ask her. She just volunteered herself and and crashed my (laughs) Paris trip. So, of course, I'm going to go there to write and to brood and become the next best, you know, the best American screenplay writer. And she comes and it completely changes the trajectory of this whole trip. And so I'm half brooding and then half entertaining her. And of course, with her there, she wants to go to different restaurants. She wants to go to different bars. Me, I'm more of like a museum and cafe person. She's like, let's go to like this, this place, this place. And so one night she says, I want to go to the soccer cur, which is in Montmartre. Montmartre. I'm saying it properly in French. The soccer cur. Um, <laughs> And she wants to go on a Saturday night around midnight. And I thought she's a lunatic. And I was like, that's going to be <laughs> covered with tourists, even though the soccer car is my favorite church. Um, and she's like, she's just so adamant. She's like, no, I really want to go. Let's look at it at night. It'll be beautiful. It's midnight in Paris. We can overlook the city. So I said, yes, fine. I, I was like, well, let's go. We get to the church. And we, as soon as we come up and we're like coming up the stairs, there's a huge crane a movie crane, a camera crane that's looming over our heads. And I said, oh my God, they're making a movie here. And then all of a sudden I'm totally in. I was like, this is amazing. This is why we had to come here. I I knew why I said yes. And so we could be here. And then so we see this movie set and we're just wandering. And there's a little gondola there for people who don't know. There's a very famous staircase at the soccer car. 
And we go into the gondola, us being like little like rubberneckers. And we're like, what's going on? What is this thing? So I'd she's chatting same. with the people. Yeah. And I'm just like, <laughs> so nosy. And then so we're in this gondola. She is chatting with people because she's a social butterfly. I'm just like looking out the window at like, who is this? What is this thing? And we're going down past the staircase. And I look out the window and I see the back of a man's head getting his makeup done. And I said, that looks like Keanu Reeves. And I was like, why would Keanu Reeves be in Paris on Saturday at midnight? And immediately like, that's not him. I'm crazy. Some French actor who like reminds me of Keanu. By the time we get to the bottom of the gondola ride, which is very short, she's giggling and excited. She's into stunts and all that. And she turns around. She's like, Minji, this is the set of John Wick 4. And I was like, (laughs) and I flipped out because it's Keanu. And I said, I saw him. I saw the back of his head and I'm freaking out. And so we're giggling. We're talking with Keanu's armor, his gun guy in the gondola who was there with us. Sweetest person on the planet. Um, so it was a great night. I was just, we're on cloud nine. I love movies. I love Keanu. And so she took a photo of me that night at that staircase and well, a staircase adjacent because they're filming and yeah. um, I'm wearing all black, wearing my mask. And I'm like, I'm ready to play Keanu's like big mouth, little, whatever, little. Did you actually say that? I did. Oh, I said, it's wow. A, it's That's crazy. We can pull it up. It's still there. That is I wrote crazy, the caption. Mate. That was October of 2021. Two months later. Well, he's your sidekick, kind of. (laughs) I know. So, like, (laughs) I I said I was playing the sidekick. And then so I said this whole declaration. I was laughing about it. I was like, I'm ready, Keanu, when you are. I was saying all this stuff. I posted it on Instagram. And then, what, two months later or three months later was the preliminary audition for Cyberpunk. Not knowing what it was. It was just, you know, Project X, whatever it was. And did my best, turned it in, forgot about it as I usually do, get called back in March. I'd already forgotten about it then again. They're like, you have a call back. And I was like, for what? And I did that. I went in. They loved it. They're excited. They seemed so enthusiastic. And I was like, oh, wow, it's great to know that you're doing a good job. Forgot about it again because then it went radio silent again for months. And then fast forward to, to June and that moment in the booth where I said, they're like, do you want to see what Songbird looks like? And I was like, Yeah. I want to see her. And so when she walks up and touches Keanu's face, I said the exact same sentence that I had said in the gondola <laughs> in Paris. I said, that looks like Keanu Reeves. And I was laughing. That and must so give you how- that must give you goosebumps moments like that. You know, because they just don't happen. They happen in my life, Dan. But they uh, yeah, I know they happen to you all the time. I don't yeah, know. Multiple times. You and that's why I share this. It's like to share my funny story, but I do really believe in the power of intention and your words. I think the more that I live, I, I see that what we speak into existence is really powerful, which is why I'm even really careful about how I joke about things. Cause you know, like really? it can be, it can, I don't want to say anything that's like creating bad energy for myself, not to get overly obsessive about that, but you know, I believe energy, words, voice, um, it all, it all has an impact. Do you have an example on that? I stopped saying I'm dying. I stopped saying that when I laugh, I'm like, oh my God, I'm dying. I'm dying. I stopped saying that. Mm. I stopped saying that. I was like, I, I'm not dying. I, I started, I was like, I'm living for this. <laughs> I'll say stuff like that. That's good. That's good. It's the yeah. same, but, but it is the same effect, isn't it? You don't really right. need to say that. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I agree. I agree, hundred percent. I tell you what, I loved as well your cosplay of Songbird. <laughs> that was fantastic. Not many actors go to that. Much. I know you had help and everything, but not many actors go to that much effort. So I've got to say, I really respect you for that as well. I love that. Thank you. It was really fun. Um, it was. It was um for Halloween, right? It was for Halloween. I was like, this is just perfect timing. The game's coming out end of September. Halloween's right around the corner. I love Halloween. Like it's re- it's one of my favorite. Ho- I'm an act. I mean, I love playing make believe. And I was like, I'm a character and I can dress up as her. Like, this is amazing. So I had to do it. It was just no brainer. Will you do it next year or is, is it a one and done or? I would love to do her other outfits. I want to, I, oh, I don't know if I'll, yeah. if I'll ever go to conventions or anything, or if that's even a thing to like dress up as yourself, as yourself if you go to conventions. But I, I'm That'd be very cool. much. 
I'm very much like, here's how I'll put it, Dan. I've been through a lot of really hard things. I've experienced a lot of tragedy in my life. And there are always reminders that tomorrow's not guaranteed. And if you get really cool opportunities like this, like revel in it, you know, and it, there's people that might think I've met actors who think that it's a bit silly or over the top and that's fine. That's their, but to me, um, I'm like, whenever, I don't know when the next chance I'm going to get, I don't know what projects will come up next. I don't know if honestly, like to be quite dramatic after COVID, I don't know what's going to happen to our world. I don't know if I'll, it's not guaranteed. And, um, I've experienced a lot of life where people controlled my life or like I self-limited my life and held back a lot of things and kind of didn't bask in the fun of it. So it's part of my intention with life, like just have fun. Like who knows when else something like this is going to happen again. How cool is this? This is amazing. We've got a lot in common. You, So we've got some fan questions here, Minji. Here's the first one. Why didn't you phone us at the end of the game? This one, this one keeps coming up. So, in the game, a lot of the characters will will phone V, but uh -huh. we never got a call from from Songbird. Do you know why? I don't know why. That's so mm. rude. <laughs> Minji as a person would not want to do that. That's that's honestly like that would be. I feel I'm one of I'm one of those people. Like it's been I missed a text, and it's been like seven weeks and you know there's that awkward thing of like should i revive this text because it's awkward now but i'll do it i'm like oh my god i'm so sorry so i'm just letting you know uh creative differences <laughs> i don't know what the intentions behind the writers were who knows maybe it's to create suspense and that's what i yeah mystery I or something yeah what did you do to prepare yourself mentally for this role no matter how you slice it songbird is a very heavy and dark role to play i believe we touched on this a little bit, but was there anything else that you did to prepare yourself? I don't think so, to be honest. Like, I, I think with the description, it it feels, I felt, I felt my life had prepared me for this. And I think all the training that I've done as an actor, which is, it can, the technical part of this emotional journey is to be able to find the truth of the character deliver it and then be able to come out of it so that you can do it again. That's the job is that you can go dark Heath Ledger with Joker. And that's one of the most tragic things, you know, like it still hurts to think of like how deeply he went into that darkness. It is a, it is a very, um, it can be a really scary place. And to, that's the muscle you have to learn how to develop is how to go and then come out. And I've navigated many lives and I felt ready to take on whatever she needed me to give. And it just became easier too, because I was in such good hands. So I keep giving credit to Pierce, to Pierce O'Toole, to our director, because he, the space that you create for an actor to go dark and to go full creative, you know, have no sense of um, self-consciousness or feel like, oh, I'm being too dramatic. You know what I mean? We're always self-monitoring. And, and as an actor, as a professional actor, I want to do the right job for the job. And I want to deliver what the right, what will do justice to everybody who's putting care into this and their, their work into it. Mm. It's, it's a very, it can be a very daunting task on that mental level. So in terms of her emotional journey, I felt like I had it in the can, I guess, essentially, I was like, I think I have that that access to darkness in me that I can give it. But then it's the mental gymnastics of getting into a headspace to feel free enough to do it. And that you can't you don't have control over that per se, because that's reliant on this team effort of your directors and everybody, even the audio engineer, to be respectful and to like not rush you and to all that. That's why I think I, I love making anything. It's just beautiful how collaborative it is, even though the onus is on me as a performer. There's so many people around me that are making that possible. And it's just wrong to not give them credit for that. Great answer. It's funny because throughout the game, I'm a big Idris fan. So I was saying, I'm just going to, whatever he says, I'm doing it. You know, like no one's going to pull me away. And of course, what did I do at the end? I went with <laughs> you. You pulled me away from one of my favorites. So well done. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's one of the compliments. That's of my a life. good you compliment, yeah. 
I'll receive that. Thank you so much. <laughs> uh, how does it feel to be one of the most div- divisive characters in the game, mm. Minji? Certainly. Well, it depends on what pe- choices people made, right? And yeah. this is when I'm learning about life in general. I get overly philosophical, but things that are happening in our lives are happening based on everything that preceded that moment. When you're like encountering this conversation or that piece of news or whatever, it's being colored by what happened in your life, in your experience, every moment leading up to that. It's not happening in a vacuum. So I cannot control, this is me as a recovering people pleaser. I can't control how they interpreted Songbird. There are people that hate me and I've seen those those comments. And then it's weird to feel because, you know, I'm like, oh no, they, they hate me. But it's a character that was kind of crafted that way to be subversive and to be provocative and to be, that's what I think is really bold of cyberpunk. They're, they don't pull punches. They, 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 they're, that's kind of the reason they're like <laughs> making all these complex storylines is that there is no easy answer and there is mm-hmm. no thing that's tied up nicely in a bow. And there's things that you don't know about Songbird. If you don't choose this or you don't choose that, you don't get to find out who she was and why she ended up where she is and things like that. You know what I mean? So, Do you um, have a canon storyline for you, for you, for Minji? Do you have an ending that you think is is the one? I don't know. I don't. I say no, I don't have a storyline that there's a one, but there's one that lasted with me the longest that I, I've mulled over a lot the most. And what it, was that? What? We're not going to know. Well, it's the story where V ends her life. And I think that's just, that's based on what I've been personally going through. I've lost some really wonderful people in my life, um, some in really unfortunate ways. And I've been grappling with that in my own past. And um, and I'm really big advocate for tending to our mental health and it's not, again, not something I enjoyed. I'm not advocating for like that ending per se or what people might take. as No, but it touched you emotionally. Yeah. It, touched, it really cut me. And I watched it on Twitch a bit. I caught a piece of it on Twitch and then I watched it on YouTube. And it was to the point where with the sound design and with V's voice and everything watching it, it's I left my own self not thinking that's me voicing it. I was watching Songbird. And I cried. I cried watching it because it's such a tragic existence that she has. And there's a part of me in watching that. It was so heartbreaking to know, but like giving this kind of relief that she doesn't have to, we don't have to worry about if she's going to be, whose hand she's going to end up, what end will happen. It's just, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's so tragic. And I don't. I don't want people... You know, I don't know. I don't, I'm not trying to advocate for. No, no. And the but. sound design and the music pulls you in as well. And, you know, there's just the environment you're in. You, you yeah. do, you get transported. Yeah, really, truly to me even too. And that's, I'm not, I'm saying that's a, that's a credit to the creators of the game. It really um, became a life of its own. And mm. I was, I was blown away, blown away. Did I say those things? <laughs> How do you think Songbird views V in both endings? It's worth noting that even in the read route, she still puts herself out there to protect us from the rogue AIs, even though we portrayed her. I think there's a lot of conflict within Songbird because she does genuinely care about V. I think that's that's the inherent tragedy of that relationship. And I think a lot of it makes that interesting. I think it's relatable. There's people that I've had in my life where, um, you know, it's mixed signals, I guess, where you feel paradoxical things at the same time. I feel a lot of like care for them and a lot of resentment at the same time, or a lot of, I need to protect myself. I don't trust them fully, but I like them so much. And there's so much, you know, we have so much history or so much fun and that's very human. You know, that's very relatable, even in this completely fictional, fantastical world that they've created. Um, Those are very relatable, universal things. I think that traverse cultures and it traverse language and it traverses, you know, a lot of these different things that make us different from one another, that's a very common experience. So I think there's so much tragedy in how conflicted she is. And I think it comes from the fact that she does not want to hurt her. It's not something she's enjoying. 
Have you always been philosophical? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> really? Even like tracing back, yeah. It's always yeah, been in you, yeah. I get it from my dad, and that's also where we butt heads because our philosophies are not the same. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. So you do a lot of um, mindfulness activity sort of thing? Yeah. Like, do you do meditation? I do. I try. I, I work on the discipline of meditating regularly. Mm -hmm. um, and I think it's a, it's helped me a lot, tremendously. It's not easy, nor is it pleasant all the time, but it has definitely helped me. Do you do therapy? Yeah. 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 I have to have a therapy session after this. Oh, wow. There you yeah. go. Yeah. And that that's helped you a lot? Therapy has helped me a lot. And I think that there are many, many therapies out there. I think it's great that we're in this time of society where we are embracing it a lot more because not that long ago, therapy was considered to be a very big stigma on the person who's exploring it. They It would be like, oh, there's something really broken and wrong about that. And now I think it's adequately given its space of like, no, if there's things that we need to work out living is hard a lot of the time you know we have moments of happiness and bliss and peace and a lot of those are hard earned we have to also struggle to make a living and navigate relationships and and live in a world where we have little to no control about what we're experiencing and it's chaotic it's chaos so i think seeking therapies and i say i say a lot of different things are therapy hanging out with my friends can be its own form of therapy i have amazing friends that let me be my fullest ugliest ridiculous self and that is a blessing and i can i have family members that i'm close with i can talk to them and having family that i can talk about especially as a korean american that's i don't take that lightly that i can talk to my family members about what i'm really truly feeling and not be shunned or gaslit or disowned or whatever those are big things that i i do my best not to take for granted so those are all different forms of therapy acting is a form of therapy it's a way for me to channel things and hopefully do something with intention to hopefully help people if i can make people um humanize what couldn't what wasn't human to them before whether it's like you know frankly um there's unrelatability of like I've heard this so much in my life, in my generation, like, I don't understand women. I was like, I want you to understand me. I don't enjoy not being understood. So if I can tell a story and garner interest because I have some something that, like a, a brilliant writer who created a great character and I can do my part and give my take on it and that drives some curiosity or understanding of like, oh, wow, she's not just this, you know, this you know very superficial character she has a lot of depth and layers to her that creates empathy i think and interest and curiosity where before it was just nothing so acting is a huge therapy for me i feel like i'm putting my wishes into action where it can hopefully make something good in the world so that's like beyond so i hope people can find their therapies it's arts art is a huge therapy like music and dancing and all that on top of like talk therapy um, I'm big on hypnotherapy with good quality. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Hypnotherapists. It's helped me a lot. Um, mirror work. I've done uh music work. I've done Reiki. I've done a lot of different therapies, and they've all helped me at different chapters of my life. And guys, check out Minji's podcast too. It's fantastic. <laughs> Just while oh we're my here. Gosh, Dad, you poor thing. No. <laughs> what do you mean? Poor thing. No, <laughs> no, no. Like my my careers i'm like oh i'm so sorry you had to listen to me talk what was it like working with the goat jeremy lee um oh. i don't think you were ever in the room or met but you would have heard her voice you would have been able to play off her a little bit yeah just jeremy i need to meet you <laughs> <laughs> i i fangirl over all the time and i've dm'd her a bunch and i always just sing her praises um also gavin gavin and gavin we're not we're not forgetting about Gavin too. Yeah. Um, Jeremy, uh, she, I heard her a bit more at the time. I think it was just with scheduling and what had been recorded. So what I could hear at the time, it always varied. Um, yeah. She's just incredible. There's so much I could, you know, my, my job is to be able to be attentive to sound and to get nuance from delivery. That's my job is I do a lot of commercials. You have to take one sentence and make it mean 50 different things. So what I would hear mm. from her voice alone, it was like listening to a masterclass. You know what I mean? Like 
Oh, so good. <laughs> so good. I was so lucky. And it, it gave me a lot to aspire to, especially when you're, I'm taking on a big role. So I, I was really lucky to bounce off both of them. But yeah, she's the GOAT. Love your interviews, Dan. Big fan of channel. Thank you. With all the tech and AI innovations, have you ever wondered, Minji, if the future of reality will be similar to cyberpunk? <laughs> Damn. <laughs> Yes, I have. And uh, being an actor and recognizing all the things at stake. I'm also from Silicon Valley. So I like I've grown up. You know, you know, did you work at Macy's in the tech? Yeah, I did. Yeah. I worked for Macy's.com doing software license compliance. You can find that on my LinkedIn. Um, <laughs> and then all, a lot of my my nearest and dearest friends all work in tech. You know, they work for Meta and they work for Salesforce and they work for Google. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I'm, it's very much a part of my world. I'm, it's close proximity. It's in conversations all the time. I get to get firsthand understanding. And so it's very scary. It's like very cool. But I think at this juncture, I, I personally am scared. And then, um, the solution minded person in me is like, okay, so what are we going to do about it? I do know that AI is a threat, it's a kind of an inevitable thing. Um, it's already been proliferating. And so it does threaten certain aspects. But I also think as people, as the audience and as the person buying things, I actually feel like in a poetic way, it's kind of making us value what's human made and the imperfections and the flaws of, you know, a flubbed line or like a crack in my voice. Like I actually get hired for the fact that I have a unique rasp to my voice, that it I don't have these like, I don't have a perfectly buttery smooth voice like some other voice actors do. And it's like amazing. I envy. I was like, oh, it sounds so good. But I guess the fact that I have these flaws in my my voice, a natural rasp, makes me sound more human. So I've been hired for jobs because they're like, you're a real person. And so I was like, thank you. And thank so you. I do wonder, <laughs> I wonder how that's gonna affect our industry. You know, it it'll go many ways. And I don't doubt that AI will take over a lot and technology in general. And like there's and we need to, I do implore everybody watching, like whatever job you do or however you're interacting with the world to protect that. We're all we all need to kind of step into in a certain way, like warrior mode to preserve what deserves to be preserved. And then to accept, like, people were threatened by the internet. You know, they're at every big technological advancement, there's a lot of fear involved. And I think it's warranted and there's caution. And, like, and then, and then what? You know, and then what do we care about? And then how do we go about protecting that? That's the way I think about it. Yeah. No, I love that. Do you think Songberg deserves a second chance? <laughs> because of all the therapy I've done, Dan, and because of all the, I, I, I understand they're really flawed people and they make bad choices. And I'm not saying that there does not need to be accountability and consequences. I'm actually a big believer in that. I also want to believe in a world where people have a chance to make it right. Um, because I have made a lot of mistakes and they vary, you know, in terms of the damage I've caused, or I don't know how much damage I've caused in certain people. But if I were to be aware of that and if I were able to want to make it right, I would love the opportunity to make it right. Yeah. And then it feels hypocritical to not give that to somebody else. Okay. But we're human. I get the I get the feeling of like, no, they don't deserve another chance and absolutely not. So it's it's a hard question to ask, but for me in my heart, I want to believe. And then last one. Thank you so much for this opportunity, Dan. Please congratulate Minji on her performance. She is absolutely breathtaking. Can you share your favorite moment between V and Songbird if you have one? There's sweet moments like when she's showing the Brooklyn apartment when they she kind of gets to reflect and and show her world oh, a little it's a bit. Great scene. There's oh. that's such a really moving scene. I loved recording that because it was you know it's in the middle of all this like yelling and like yeah, uh, it's very tactical and direct. And then here we get to like kind of just be vulnerable. But the moment that I love the most is um, when she, when Songbird gets to say to V, like, you know, thank you for one moment. I'll know that I wasn't alone. And that's not the exact line, but that moment, like, I meant it. And and the funny thing is I'm alone in a booth and all I have is Jeremy in my head. 
And we're, we've had this like exchange over months and I meant it. And like, even the parts where like, you know, I have to hurt her. It hurt. It really hurt. <laughs> well, and, she, uh, she got emotional, didn't she as well? I heard. Uh, Jeremy, listening to did. your work. Yeah. She, she told Pierce that I made her cry. And I was like, I made who do what? <laughs> like it was, yeah. Um, because yeah, you just, even through a microphone, like even to two actors, I was like, I don't want to hurt her. I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to make her life worse. I'm so sorry. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, yeah. So I'll never forget. So that. you've both made each other cry yet. You've never met. <laughs> it's, it's hilarious. It's a travesty, uh, but she's also a new mom. So oh uh, yeah. I'm going yeah. to be chatting to her. So do you want me to say any, pass anything on? Please just tell her. Like, she knows, but you can tell her again. I just think yeah. she, she's such a talented actor. And I, um, I, I'm so grateful that she's so generous with, like, her work. And she's so, I think generosity is a key trait that I look for in actors. Because there are actors that are not generous. And there's creatives that are not generous. And she is definitely very kind. There's a, there's an openness that she creates in her work that lets other people also occupy that space and do what they need to do. And beautiful. That's beautiful. Yeah. Do you have anything to say to the fans as we wrap up, Minji, that have tuned in today? I love you guys. <laughs> I sincerely like. I feel it feels surreal. It feels really um, like what a first role. I don't understand how this happened. Yeah, I'm sorry if I upset you. <laughs> it's my job to upset you. Uh, I'm personally revel in that, but I hope that you enjoyed the game. I hope that um, whatever experience it created in you, that it, I really hope that artistry, art all goes to something good. Even like, you know, things that are harrowing and things that are stressful, it's to process things and to think about things and wonder about like, yeah, what is the right thing to do? And what is, how would I have done things different? I think those are good questions to ask and answer. Um, and it sounds very like cheesy, but I'm just, you know, I'm a voice actor, non-gamer, but I hope that you guys will all like continue to be kind to everybody else as you've been to me. I've been so just blown away by how warm and encouraging and sweet everybody's been. It's been really amazing. So I wish that to the rest of, we need that. Like our world really, really needs that. Tell me you've also, this is a 180, but tell me you've got the action figure. I don't yet. Oh, I'm you got to get it. You got to get it. Yeah. <laughs> I want it too. If they're still out, they're probably all sold out now, but. I want this whole thing back here. I don't know what I'm going to redesign, but I want there to be fan art and I want there to be uh some kind of thing because i have the wig i have my friend made the wig for the cosplay and the back of it is just crazy i don't know if i even shared that on twitter but i haven't seen the back no let me show you <laughs> yeah can you give us an exclusive <laughs> okay so this is this is her this is the wig yeah fantastic and then this is the Whoa. Best. Damn. That's like, yeah, that's intricate. My friend Leanne, we got to tag her. She, I commissioned her because she's, she's an amazing hairstylist. So the first beginning, I was like, I just wanted the wig because I knew that she could create the, the bob. And then I realized, I was like, Leanne, you're a big cosplayer. So she's like, do you want me to make the back? And I'm like, hell yeah, I do. <laughs> and she went to town. And I didn't think it was going to be this level. So here we are. Yeah. So you, you got any cons or streamerlies or anything like that happening? I am creating a streamerly account. I was invited cool. to do cool. that. So that's happening. I have not uh, I had a con invitation or like I, I'm just exploring that 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 universe. So I don't know who to talk to about that. <laughs> but I'm asking. I have several other friends who are uh, voice actors. My friends, uh, Earl Balon, he, he's done like Tomb Raider and he's all kinds of stuff. My friend Sunil. He's uh Oh, you're friends with Earl. Yeah. Yeah, nice. Neil's great, Sunil Malhotra, and then my friend Dante Bosco. I mean, he's freaking in uh Avatar, <laughs> but he does uh voiceover for a lot of different games and stuff too. So they're all they all have their con life, so they're educating me one No, because it'd be great to have, you know, the cast of Cyberpunk, even you, Jeremy, maybe a few others. Um 
just do a panel or, I mean, that'd go off. People would, I would love, love that. I yeah. would love it. I'm shocked yeah. it hasn't happened yet. I'm sure it will eventually. Um, So we can find you on Insta, Twitter, mm-hmm. anywhere what? else? Um, My podcast, if you guys want yep. to listen, talk about mental health and relationships. <laughs> um, And that's it for now. And then I'll have my Streamly account. Beautiful. Our dashboard or storefront is that's the right word. Storefront yeah. Yeah. and hopefully Geez, the yeah. art's good, isn't it? Oh, some of the art of Songbird out there it's is just so. I want like it needs to be printed and put on the wall <laughs> under the moon. <laughs> Before I let you go, can can Songbird say something to Dan to round this one out? Songbird say something to Dan. I don't know. Oh, now I fell on the spot. Anything anything you want. It's it's all good. Dan, it was great to meet you, and I really appreciate you giving me the time to share my story. Thank you very much, Mindy. We really appreciate your time, and I look forward to doing this again soon. Thank you. I this was so much fun. Blue bye.